What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein, back on the Startup Sutra series with my co-host, Yosh Eisbart. Yosh, what's happening, my man? Good day, my friend. Good day. Today, we are welcoming in the founder and CEO of a startup called Infinite Potential Limited. His name is Benny Fowler, but if you're from the Denver area, you may know him better as Benny Fowler of the Super Bowl champion, Denver Broncos. Go Broncos. Benny, welcome into the podcast. Hey, appreciate you guys for having me. Super excited. You know, this this came about, you know, after a great dinner, dinner conversation with with Yosh at an amazing restaurant. And, you know, glad to be a, a part of this podcast. Wait, what restaurant was that? We were eating at Mizuna. Oh, yeah, it's delicious. I'm surprised. Oh, you, I'm surprised they take people like Yosh there. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I was, hey, with Benny. I was with Benny. They let me in. Exactly. All right. So, Benny, but for our listeners that are not from the Denver area or don't watch football and live under a rock, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself before we get going? Yeah. Born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Have two great parents, Benny Fowler Jr., my mom, Teresa Geyser, my parents are not together, but they raised me and also my brother. I also have two stepsisters and a stepmother. Went to Detroit Country Day High School, one of the best high schools in the state of Michigan and the country. You know, really loved going there. Wait, I feel like Grant Hill there. went here. Did Grant Hill go there? No, he didn't go there. Uh, Chris Weber and Chris Shane Battier went there. Oh, uh, yeah. Robin, Robin Williams, Steve oh. Ballmer. Steve nope. Ballmer from uh, that owns the Clippers and you know worked for Microsoft. So it's a wow. great high school. Wow. Went there and then from there, from Country Day, I went to go on to Michigan State where I got a scholarship to play football. Was up there for five years, five incredible years, some of the best years of my life. Where we won three shares of the Big Ten title. My senior year, we went thirteen and one and won the Rose Bowl. Only Big Ten team in history to ever win every Big Ten game by 10 or more points. Wow. Shout out to our defense. And that led me to being an undrafted free agent into the Denver Broncos, where I played for four years, caught Peyton Manning's last pass in Super Bowl 50, played for the New York Giants for two years, one year with the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees. And then just recently was with the 49ers. But now I am into my business full time executive and leadership coaching, team coaching, doing business development for companies. So that is a quick snippet of who I am. So I got like a million football related questions before Yosh goes. I'm, I'm going to say some of them, <laughs> some of them for the end, but I got to get your take on the $95 million contract that your guys just gave Mel Tucker. Are you all in on Mel Tucker at, <clears throat> at the first party going on right now? Absolutely. Mel Tucker is a is a great leader. What he's done in terms of recruiting, I have never seen done at Michigan State. So he is really, really laying a great foundation. I know the people here in Colorado do not necessarily like him for yeah, actually no. leaving, yep. he le leaving Colorado. But One year. It's garbage. I mean, you know, if we yeah, if we have to put it into perspective, you know, if if, if a different company offers you, you know, 10 million more dollars, I think, yep, you know, I'd just go. in terms of family, you you probably go. So, but no. Uh, gotten a chance to talk to Mel, be around Mel a couple of different times. And, you know, even after we beat Michigan, I was in the locker room and he let me break down the team. And I just think, you know, that's he cares about the former players, the players who are there and then the players who are coming in the future. 
and that we are all tied. We all bleed green and super excited and happy that, you know, he was able to win that, that 10 year, $95 million deal. And it's well-deserved in terms of look at what he did after the year of COVID. We were picked to finish last in the big 10. And now we finished what second, second or third in the big 10. We, we really had a, a Heisman candidate and just the way that we played as a team and who this team was is a, is a great testament to him. And you beat Michigan, maybe the only team that is going to end up beating Michigan. Do you pull for Michigan in the playoff or do you root against them? I root against them every single day. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, a- Every single day. And they, they don't have a chance to <laughs> beat Georgia. Um, so Every day, even when they're not playing. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't have any i don't want to ever see them do well so all right i won't won't bring them up again i promise (laughs) well i want to i went to a real big 10 school i went to uh uh, indiana and uh, go hoosiers just saying hoosiers Uh, my parents went there uh, so uh, that's why you're a bright kid uh, because uh (laughs) because of your parents uh, obviously um but i want to pivot from uh talking about michigan state um uh to a certain extent um, and, and really uh, kind of tap your brain around um, uh, what's the difference uh, in your mind? I mean, you're, you're a winner. You've, you've done so much, um, had so much success throughout your career, whether it's in high school, uh, whether it's in college, whether it's turning pros, which is the 1% of 1%. And you've seen at every single level, um, what's the delta? to get to that next level. Can you talk to us from, from your perspective on what's that, what's the nugget? What's the difference in, in, in success and getting from one level to the next? Yeah, I think it's, first of all, knowing the vision of where you want to go and getting specific. When I work with entrepreneurs now, or even if I'm talking to you know, former athletes or athletes who are moving into the business world, like, where do you want to go? It has to be specific. Like, you can't just say, hey, I want to go someplace nice. If you type that in on your phone, like, it'll give you suggestions. But like, where do you actually want to go? Now, I think it's a little bit easier when you are a kid, like, hey, I want to be a professional athlete. What sport do you want to play? You get super specific. And then there are certain things that actually lead up to that. You have to go to high school and then you have to pass clearinghouse, take the ACT in order to get into that school you have to get those scholarship offers offers so you have this dream goal then you have the end goal then you have these performance goals and process goals and daily habits so i think it's the daily habits is what gets you to where you want to go obviously yosh you know this as an entrepreneur you have to have certain daily habits to be successful you be you're around entrepreneurs all the time there are certain things that lead to performance there are certain things that lead to success. So those daily habits are things that we need as people every single day to be successful in leadership in whatever you're doing. But getting specific on where you actually want to go is the number one thing that we have to do as people if we want to be successful or if you want to get to the next level, what does the next level actually look like? Specifically, me, what does it look like? Yeah, go ahead. L- let me interrupt though, Benny. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, and and I get that that vision and having a, you know a, a path uh, of where you want to succeed. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a gravitationally challenged. Uh, I come from uh, Indiana, where uh, basketball's religion. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a five foot seven on a good day Jewish guy. I wanted to play pros. 
but but that's that ain't gonna happen. So I want NBA. So what what then outside of the of the vision and the path? Like were there were there mentors? Uh, I'm sure. Uh, were there? Um, was it your 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 parents that were pushing you uh, harder than you thought you could? Obviously, there's tremendous natural talent there, right? You can't you can't teach height uh, when it comes to basketball or, or sports. But outside of vision and kind of breaking, you know, I gotta get my ACTs, I gotta do the combine or whatever. Let's get let's get more gritty. Yeah, it's about who you're becoming. When when I talk about those goals and those end goals and those dream goals, the goal isn't necessarily to be the to to become the pro athlete. It's about who you have to become in that time. So like the prizes in the journey. So that's kind of why I started like that. But it's about who you're becoming. It's about that resilience. So if you don't get to the pros, what are the values and skills that you actually have to have within you? You have to have the hard work. You have to have the discipline. You have to have the perseverance. But yes, there were plenty of people along the way from my dad and my mom really laying a foundation and setting an example of, okay, if you really want to go to the pros, I think I started, I said that around like third or fourth grade, that's when they started waking my brother and I up at six, six thirty in the morning to run the steps before we go to school. Like, if you really want that, this is what it takes to get that. Then, you know, every level that I've gone to, it's always seeking out the people who have already done it before you. So Blair White, BJ Cunningham, Mark Dell, those are like the three guys that when I was at Michigan State that I, I sought out the things that they were doing. And I was following in their footsteps and taking some of their game and putting it into mine. And then when I got to the pros, you, you meet a guy like Peyton, you literally follow the things that he's doing. How is he going about his day? What is he eating? Paying attention to those people who have already done it well. I think that's, and then actually seeking out advice asking those questions. I think you and I, when we were at dinner, like I was asking you questions in terms of, you know, your business, how you conduct yourself, the way you go about certain things. I was always asking questions at that table because I'm trying to see different ways of how to approach business. So that is the way I feel like you get to the next level is you seek out mentorship and you really pay attention to the people who have already been successful. I think Tony Robbins says success leaves clues. These, there, there are plenty of people that have done what I've done. So, or, or there are plenty of people that are, are, have done what I am trying to do. So seeking out those things and how, what, how does that fit into my routine? How does that fit into me on a day-to-day basis? Who do I need to be, to be successful, to get to that next level? But what does the next level look like? And then who are the people who have already done that? So, so Benny, what is, uh, now that you're an entrepreneur, what is infinite potential? What are you, what are you doing in the business world now that you're off the field? Yeah, executive and leadership coaching, team coaching, business development, depending on, you know, what the company is. But my my passion and my goal and my purpose in life is to help people live and lead into their full potential. There have been times in my life where I've played small and, you know, plan not to make a mistake. And that is just like not a life worth living. You can't just those are the moments, the only moments that I regret in my career, in my life or in my business in relationships or anything is the times where I didn't go for it. And I don't want that to be the case in terms of companies, entrepreneurs, kids in high school, college, whatever it may be. I want people to live and lead into their full potential. What if we had 100,000, a million more people living and leading into their full potential? How great, how much more great would this world be if people actually cared about more people and you know said 
the things that were on their mind or actually went out there and created that idea instead of having these self-doubts or, uh, or limiting beliefs. Interesting. Interesting. Now, I, I, th- that for sure um, makes sense. And, and um, I wanted to, to, to go back to something that you, you had uh, you had alluded to um, previously in terms of resiliency um, and the importance of resiliency. And, and you're definitely someone, um, even within most recent uh, uh, NFL career, uh, had to show some real tremendous resiliency where, you know, you're, you're a Super Bowl champion, um, uh, starter, and then uh, you move to other teams and, and playing time changes and your role within the organization changes. How was that experience? How did that, how did that shape you? What were some of the previous experience in, in, um, in college or other that, that helped prepare you for the, you know, the ebbs and flows of, uh, of, of your NFL career? Yeah, I think I had some, some tough moments, you know, especially if I think back to my college career, that kind of really shaped me, but even back to high school, I'll never forget my first ever varsity basketball game in high school, fourth quarter of the game. I'm a sophomore. I get a still at the end of the game. It's about two minutes left and I go up for layup and I get fouled. So I go to the free throw line and shoot two free throws. I had never felt anxiety or any nervousness like this before the gym is sold out. So I go to shoot the first free throw. And if, you know, when I go to shoot, it lands four feet short of the rim, like doesn't touch anything. Like I shoot, like more like I shoot. (laughs) And at that moment right there, I was super embarrassed. It's like, as if, you know, you could hear every single conversation in the stands. Like, did that really just happen? What's going on? I feel like everybody was making fun of me. I feel like just the world was caving in on me. I still had another free throw to shoot. So I went to go shoot the second free throw and I wasn't even trying to get it in the rim. I just, or trying to make it. I was just trying to hit the rim. And like how many people are there out there in life right now, just trying to hit the rim in life, just doing just enough. So that's where I had to start going on that personal journey of discovering like who I really needed to be and understanding that life isn't perfect. There is no perfect life. There is no perfect game. There is no perfect scenario, perfect relationship. But I've had sometimes even in my in my college and, and professional career times where I think that everything is supposed to go just right. And I think that's the where I have had some some failures or, you know, playing small because I don't want to get exposed or or see or or fail at all. But I think that's where, you know, the first journey kind of started in terms of having to build resilience because, you know, you still have more games to play. If you really want to get to the pros, you're going to have to kind of fight through this. And going to new teams in, in the NFL has been, it's been a blessing and a journey. Like you said, like you're going to play a new role. This organization doesn't necessarily know you like this. How are you going to fit into this team, into this culture? And it comes back to connecting with that purpose, but also realizing that I'm actually living out my dream. Like my dream was to be in the pros. So to stay resilient in that is to understand and keep in perspective that I am doing what I set out to do. And this is not going to be perfect. So how do I neutralize things? If this game goes really well, there are a whole bunch of positive things associated in my mind. But how do I balance that out to keep myself humble? 
because, you know, just because you, you have a, a hundred yards and two touchdowns, there are some negatives and some drawbacks that can actually be associated with that. Just like in a negative situation, there are actually a lot of positive things. And that's what I like to bring into my resilience and then practicing my mental well-being is that if there is a negative situation, there are just as many positive that can balance out this negative situation in all situations. It's just understanding that and, and actually putting that into practicing, writing those things down. Okay. I'm experiencing negative things. I'm experiencing some negative emotions. What are the five good things? If I have five negative emotions, what are the five positives in this situation? And that's how I kind of balance everything out. Even if there are five positive things, what are five drawbacks that are associated with this positive event? So I keep it neutralized. So I look at everything, you know, with a clear lens, just like if I'm thinking about this right now in terms of if the weather outside right now, it could be cold to some people, it could be hot to some other people, but it's not hot or cold. It's just temperature. It's not a good day or a bad day. It's just a day. So Benny, you, you were just alluding to um, treating whatever experience uh, you were experiencing um, more in kind of a, an uh, observation mode. Reaching the NFL for, for I mean, 99.999% of the universe is the pinnacle. Um, and yet um, being traded, I mean, you're human uh, and, and moving from, you know, one successful team as a starter to, you know, another team as a role player. Again, how did you, were you able to approach that new role in, you know, I'm still an NFL player, which is absolutely amazing. Were you still able to have that type of mindset or was it a struggle uh, for you as you moved from, you know, from a team to a team? No, it was definitely a struggle. When I left Denver, I played here in Denver for four years. I wanted to spend my entire career here just because, you know, we had won and the relationships that I built in that locker room. But, you know, they didn't re-sign me. So when I went to Chicago, you know, that was a struggle. Like, you feel like they don't want you. You feel like you're not good enough. And you kind of take on that mindset, like, am I good enough? I'm always trying to prove myself. I have to do certain things to stand out on this new team. And one of the biggest mistakes that I made when I went to Chicago, number one, I didn't go there with the, the same vision and mindset that I did when I, when I was trying to join the team as an undrafted free agent with the Broncos. And also going to Chicago, bringing all my stories from the Denver, like, oh, this is how we did it in Denver. This is how Peyton did it. Going into a new organization, if you become the head of a new organization, and all you talk about is what you did at the old organization, you're going to lose mm. those employees. They're not going to be that engaged. So when I think about that, that was one of the biggest mistakes I made. They were like, you know, some of the guys in the Chicago locker room were like, man, this isn't Denver. Like, we don't do it like that. So, you know, it was kind of tough. And like I said, I didn't go there with the same mindset because, you know, I just felt like I wasn't wanted in Denver. And I ended up getting cut in Chicago right after training camp. I had just moved my fiance there. My mom was already living in Chicago and it was just a tough moment. Like I was, I got cut for the first time in my career, no job. And for the next five weeks, it's, you know, what is going to happen? Like, am I done playing football or team's going to call? And that's when I started, you know, writing my book, Silver Spoon. It's like I have to tell stories and I want to tell and inspire other power, 
inspire and empower other people. And, you know, if the NFL doesn't come calling back, I have to do some something and, you know, make some money. You know, I got, you know, I was 26 at the time. So, yeah. So I did not tough. know you wrote a book. What is Silver Spoon about? Silver Spoon, The Imperfect Guide to Success. It's It's about the principles that you need to be successful, but there is no certain path that you have to take. You know, everybody's path in life is different, but I call it Silver Spoon because I don't have the typical athlete story of coming from a super hard situation or impoverished situation to making it to the NFL. Like I was very blessed to have my parents in my life, great mentors, going to great high schools, middle schools, and you know, I, they, you know, talk about, you know, if you're from the suburbs that you have this silver spoon and everything is given to you and handed to you, well, you can't make the NFL. They don't hand that to you. You don't, they don't hand scholarships out just because of where you were born or, or raised or what your parents do. Like I've had to gain and earn everything just like everybody else. And I've worked harder than people who have been in so-called worst situations. So that's why I call it that. So you were, uh, you mentioned earlier that you were in the locker room after the Michigan State other team game and that Tucker let you, <laughs> let you talk to the team. Are, are you working with like athletes and teams? Is that a focus of the business? Is that what the sort of your, your bread and butter, or are you trying to like work with folks in the business world as well? Like what, what is the, uh, the entrepreneurial focus of what you're working on? I've actually seen more people in the in the business world. I've worked with more teams and organizations in the business world than I have with sports teams. I think sports teams is something that I would will do in the future. You know, starting with Michigan State and, you know, if they're willing and accepting of it. But uh, organizations is something that I've seen, you know, really grasp this, especially the concepts. You know, I'm not just coming in there talking about sports. I'm actually not talking about sports at all. It's more about leadership. It's more about performance. It's more about communication, trust, being committed to the vision, the goals, the one team, one goal. So um, that's kind of where I'm seeing it. As as you're as you're um, doing these the, the, this leadership development for various size organizations, are you seeing that you know, the, the, the this podcast, the Startup Sutras, uh, you know, per the name, we're focused. We're talking a lot about the entrepreneurial journey and, and startups and companies that are maybe early on in their life cycle. Um, in your experience of, of coaching across the wide range of uh, organizations, are you seeing different types of lessons that a startup needs to focus on versus uh, a Fortune 500 organization? Yeah, I think there are some some things that are different, but it always comes back down to the fundamentals of certain things in terms of that teamwork, in terms of that leadership. Even these companies that have already done really well, you know, some of their leadership team, they don't actually really know who they are. They know who they are in terms of being in the office or business, but they could actually have a lot more trust, a lot more, you know, pursuit of truth. They can have a lot more commitment. They could be more accountable to one another and they could also have better results and more performance in their organizations. Now, for the startup, it's like a new team. You got a new head coach, you got a new general manager, new owner. It's, it, it's, it's easier to start with a startup and, and lay that foundation of like, this is the standard. 
going forward as we continue to grow. This will always be the standard. These will always be the values that we come back to. These are the values that we have to live within daily. So with a startup, I think it'll be a little bit easier. I haven't worked with a startup, you know, from the early stages, but other companies that I've worked with, you have to come back to who you are and who this team and what the, in connecting that mission, vision, strategy with everyone and making sure that communication from the top down is very clear. How much is that dependent upon, um, you know, as a, as an organization is longer in the tooth, um, you know, they built muscle around certain types of practices and how they operate and, you know, leadership sets tone. Obviously, if, if an organization is bringing you in, then they're looking for coaching. You know, they're looking for um, uh, mentorship. Are you seeing that, you know, as you're brought in in some of these other more established organizations, that it's tougher to, to have them absorb what you're, what you're trying to teach or it takes longer or just curious? No, I don't think it takes a, a longer period of time. Usually if they're, they're talking to me, they're very open to change and open to grow. And most of the people that I'm working with, you know, when I'm having these conversations or I'm going into the organization, they actually believe in, in growing. They believe in getting that 1% better. So I don't find it hard. It's not like I'm trying to change their processes. I'm just trying to make things more clear. Having that clear, a clarity-based culture is going to produce incredible results. Clarity is power. So bringing that clarity into people's roles and helping them have better dialogue in terms of you know, better communication, there are a couple of different levels of communication that we might go through, is only going to make things better. And it's only going to produce you know, more profit, more revenue and profit. So, and that's what they all, they're all about saving time, making more money. And, you know, that's what I'm there to do. And that's what, you know, the people who I've partnered with in terms of helping me with, that's what we're there to do. We're, we're there to help people live and lead into their full potential. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to take a lot of time, but it's, you're going to have to be super consistent with it. And just like in anything in the world. What types of things are you, are important to you to, to learn about the clients or the organizations when you go in to start working with them? Yeah, it really just depends. So if I'm going in and I'm talking to an organization in terms of a team perspective, I want to know what do they want to hold on to as a team and what do they need to let go of? You know, what are they doing really well and where are the rooms for, where's the room for improvement? And then if it's a leadership team, where do you see yourself within this company? Do you see yourself, you know, continuing to stay with this company or do you have one foot out the door? Are you sharing all of your ideas? Are your ideas being heard by everyone else? Is this an inclusive environment? So, you know, coming in with those types of questions, like, you know, if I come in, one of my first questions is, you know, if we're having this conversation a year from now, what do you want to be different about this team or this organization or your leadership style? Asking them that and then asking their direct reports. What is his or her greatest strength? What is their one critical need for development? What's the one thing that if they don't fix right now could derail their leadership or this company? Getting clear on that and then we can come up. It's easy to come up with a development plan once you get that feedback. But a lot of us, including myself, sometimes we hate feedback or we, we just want to be liked and we just want to hear all the good things. When I do 
when I first started this coaching journey, I would always ask the leader or the entrepreneur, like, okay, hey, what are the things that you want to work on or you want to improve? Now, when I bring this 360 feedback in, in terms of the people who are actually reporting or working for them, they don't actually align in terms of the things they actually need to improve to get more performance out of the team. I'm a huge proponent of 360 reviews. So I like that what you said there, but Yosh, I'd be interested in your reaction to those types of questions and how they would resonate with you at, at Fulfilled. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, I think Benny, we need to bring you in. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, we're uh, this is a, um, an evolution of previous uh, startup uh, that the team is, uh, uh, been a part of. And, um, so we've got some scars and as well as, as some experience in terms of lesson learned, I think one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Benny, um, which is, uh, something that, that we struggle with, um, I mean, putting out a plan, vision, um, development, et cetera, those, that's a huge key part, but like anything, uh, it's about the practice, it's about the routine, it's the ritual, um, it's the execution. So as part of your uh, executive coaching, how do you, quote unquote, ensure or instill in those organizations accountability? What are some accountability constructs that you help them with to help themselves so that as you're asking that question now, for how do you want to see yourself in a year? How have you reached that objective? Yeah. So if I think about accountability and you know what you just kind of explained, how do you bring that accountability into practice? Everybody has to be committed. That's the first thing I think about. Is everybody committed to the vision and mission of the company? You can't have accountability without commitment. And you can't have commitment without bringing that pursuit of truth, like having that conflict and that tension in terms of having those open conversations about, hey, we might disagree, but we're on the same page. But that also come back, comes back to the first, the foundation of any great team, any great leader is having that trust and being vulnerable, like vulnerable type trust, like, hey, I don't know all the answers. I need some help with this can you steer me in the right direction? Or, hey, I trust you to take care of this, having that autonomy within the team and the organization. And then it works its way up from there. But, you know, if you want to have accountability, you have to be committed. You know, I think about accountability, I think about Peyton, the way he held us all accountable, but he was doing all of the work. So if he asked you to do something, it was easy to say yes. Or to be accountable when I think about Sean Peyton coming up to me last year and, hey, telling me, look, you're one of Drew's guys. He vouched for you to be on this team, but you've been a B-plus special teams player in your career. I need you to be an A-plus special teams player for you to make this team, and then I'll try to find a way to get you in on offense. I'd run through a wall for Sean Payton because of that honesty, that transparency, and, and what he was committed to. But sometimes we shy away from having that conflict or being straight up and honest with someone because we think we're going to make them feel bad when actually people actually respect and will do more for anybody if there is that level of trust and that level of commitment to the same goal. No, awesome. No, I, I try, trying to repeat uh, or um, rephrase what you're saying so that, that we, or that I process it. Um, 
having this radical candor with um, those around you being uh, obviously or hopefully in a constructive way so that um, you are um, helping those around you see their blind spots as well as if there's a commitment to something individually or as a team uh, working uh, together to to have that uh, to have that support. I want to. Uh, it's very uh, very different, but this is kind of my kind of sports story. Uh, I was uh, flexing a little bit here, uh, but I was the captain of my uh, soccer team. Uh, at when Elmhurst. you were six, when you were six years old, <laughs> no, dude, I'm trying to be serious here. Uh, at Elmhurst High in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, I, I distinctly remember uh, to this day, my soccer coach. Um, I would I would bark a lot, and uh, but I but I. I didn't necessarily do as I say, not as I do, or whatever the the phrase is. And I remember him pulling me aside one time and saying, uh, Josh, because my name was Josh at the time, and that's for another podcast. Uh, Josh. Yeah, uh, wait, what? Talk a little bit later. Uh, Some intrigue. Um, Anyway, uh, he would say, Josh, uh, you, when you're running with the team, you need to say, hey, guys, come on, let's go. And you need to run with the team. You don't need to finish first, but you need to be leading and running with the team. And as opposed to from being from behind and uh, and just barking it. So that, that to me resonates and uh, kind of lived it um, back in the day. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's important, you know, because – Nobody wants to follow someone who feels like they're just super superior that, you know, can't be talked to or they feel like they're getting talked down to, you know, being at the same level and understanding that, you know, you obviously were the most conditioned athlete in helping people and understanding, you know, staying with them and, and continuing to push their, push their limits, but being with them and being together with them instead of like leading super from the front, like, hey, catch up, let's go. Um, I think that's, you know, super important, but, you know, in organizations, this is always, you know, leadership is always a constant, you're always constantly trying to improve. Like there is no perfect solution when people ask me like, okay, what's the return on investment? Well, time and money, but that doesn't happen in two months. Like, even if I leave here, you have to still constantly, you have to consistently work on that. People like Peyton was only trying to get 1% better every day. As a pro athlete, I was only trying to get a little bit better. And then, you know, over time, every single day, that percentage leads up. So, you know, in organizations, that's what, that's what I like to see. That's why I like, that's why I love doing what I do. Because you can see it over time and you can see it in your relationships. And then if we do a 360 feedback, the most important person, especially man or woman in the organization, you know, we have to include your spouse in it. If you really, really want some really good feedback, what's your spouse going to say about you? Amazing things about me. Yeah. <laughs> I, about that. Uh, I have really good hair. Yosh does not. Okay. <laughs> or Josh, which I will refer to him as now from here to four. 
on TMT. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear that story. Yeah. Uh, all right, Benny, we are running out of time. Um, and I want to ask all my non entrepreneurially related questions since I have you on, on the podcast. Uh, and the first one is, do you watch the Monday night football version when Peyton and Eli are on the side of the screen talking crap with their guests? Depending on who the guests are. So I do, because it gives me an opportunity to feel like I'm still a little bit in the locker room. And it also gives me an opportunity to when, you know, friends are watching it, they can actually understand or see why or who I was playing with. Because the way they're explaining the game, imagine imagine that on TV times 100 being next to them in the locker room or on a game. Like they're having fun with that, but you can also see Peyton's brain and Eli's brain. Like they're literally processing the entire thing and they can see every detail. That's the best. So like, I think Tony Romo is the best broadcaster because I feel like I had to get that kind of insight from him, but then you go to Peyton's level because Peyton was more gifted probably athletically and sort of academically about the game than Tony was, but that's what you get that I watched the the manning brothers exclusively just to get that insight when are you going to get asked to, to join that that broadcast i think you could i, I think need, you I need to it. reach out to, i need to reach out to Peyton because i'm the only person who's caught uh passes for touch or scores with both of those guys so yeah, see, i'm the only that's receiver your in dude yeah. that's your in you gotta get that's in a great on that call. that actually yeah, is a great so. i didn't even realize that's why i forgot you play with eli too yeah, so I'm the only person who's caught, you know, passes for points uh, from both of those guys and played with both of them for two years. So, you know, I definitely got to get on there and, you know, share my knowledge and expertise with with those guys because, I, you know, I, they've helped me see the game in such a different way and how to approach the game and just how to – just how who they are as people, the, the best storytellers. They're just, they're just ultimate, ultimate, really good human beings. You can You can see, like, how they – would be walking into the huddle and then walking up to the line when Peyton would check out and, and Eli also checked out a lot, but when they, when they're calling the defenses and saying, this linebacker is going to go here, this lineman is going to curve around here. And you know, that's what's going to happen. And I bet that was happening and you're listening to it live when you're in the huddle, walking up the line. That's awesome. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, what Peyton did, they'll never be able to be replicated in terms of what, who Peyton is in terms of his cerebral mindset, in terms of what he did at the line of scrimmage, it, it can't be done by any other quarterback just because the, he's the only one I've ever seen do it. Regardless of talent, skill, his ability to process what the defense is getting ready to do is by far, it, it will never be able to be done. And he's also just likable. I mean, I see Super him around town here, but he's just likable. <laughs> yeah. All right, bef- before we get going, Benny, tell our listeners how to find you about your business, uh, what you're doing, if they want to reach out to you, where they can do that. Yeah, the best place to reach out to me is, is on LinkedIn. I share my content on LinkedIn. I have my Quiet Time podcast on, on Apple and Spotify and other streaming platforms. But the best way to reach out to me, especially if it's business, is, is LinkedIn. And you know that's where we can connect. And then we'll go grab some coffee or some dinner. And I'll bring Yosh along and we'll share stories and, and we'll have some fun. But that, that's the best way to, to reach out to me. And then my website is bennyfowler1.com. Awesome. All right, man. Benny, thanks so much for your time with me and Josh. Uh, we really appreciated <laughs> it. Uh, we will catch you on the other side. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. You will.